Thank you for inviting me to come today. I'm excited to be here and I just wanted to, I'm going to start off with a question I want you to get into your child's mind and here's the question that I want you to answer if you are your child. What holiday is all about getting dressed up and getting candy? Is it Halloween? Is it Easter? Sometimes it's even Christmas. Um, Fourth of July, you go to the parade and get, you know, get all dressed up and you get candy. So um, I want us to, I hope after today, you'll start doing a few things differently so that your child will know the difference between the different holidays. Um, I want you to turn to the back of your first page. Did everybody get, we're going to be going through this packet. So if you didn't get a packet, you need one. Who, does anybody need one? <coughs> Okay, and I want you to take just a few minutes and I want you to go through and put a check by the things you do around Easter time. Just scan the list. Um, so take just a few minutes and do a check around what, when you think of, okay, what do I need to do to get ready for Easter, then I want you to put a check by those. It's on the back. We did front and back. We're going green today. Okay, and, and then I want you to go back and put a cross by any of these that have anything to do with Christ's resurrection. While you all do that, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my background. My parents were faithful churchgoers, but they were not believers when I was growing up. And Easter for me was, um, we, I grew up in an Episcopal church, and East, they, Easter is a big celebration. They they do Lent. Um, we you know, we would give up something every year. Easter was um, Easter service was a big and glorious service for a lot of Episcopalians. It's one of the two times a year they go, and um, so it did. It, I think they worshipped well on Easter morning because it was big and it used all the senses and everything. Um, the, our kind of focus around Easter was the family dinners. Um, we always had a big family dinner after the service, and um, Easter, the Easter hunt, the Easter egg hunt was a big deal for us. My grandmother handmade, this is my Easter basket, my grandmother handmade, or she hand-decorated this Easter basket, and the hunts were always a big deal. Um, so that was kind of my background. So, so then you fast forward 20, 25 years, and I am a believer, and my children should have a different experience from Easter. But, um, however, there were some things that precluded that. First of all, I brought with me my background, and just kind of sometimes I didn't even stop to look at what I was bringing with me. But I brought with me my background, and my oldest was a girl, and so she got my Easter basket. My mother keeps everything. So she had my Easter basket. You know, anyway, my, my daughter got my Easter basket, and then my son came along, and I thought, oh, well, he needs an Easter basket. So I made one very similar to, but, you know, more boyish colors, you know, and um, made one for him. And so, you know, it, that was kind of the influence of my, tr my upbringing. The other thing is, is that I'm one of five children, and we still got together for, at Easter time. And so you have to deal with the expectations of the other families. And so I remember having a conversation with my mom. Um, she has the prettiest yard, and so we always did the Easter egg hunts there. And I remember saying, and she wanted everybody to bring their Easter baskets the night before and everything, and I just said, I don't want the Easter bunny to give presents 
And she said, well, why not? And I said, well, we're trying to downplay the Easter Bunny. I mean, we'll still do the Easter egg hunt, and we're not telling them there's no Easter Bunny. But I just don't want, you know, if, if they're getting presents, especially if one of your children's language of love is gift-giving, I don't want... I don't want to emphasize the Easter Bunny. And even if we don't say a word, if the Easter Bunny is bringing presents, that emphasizes the Easter Bunny. And I said, and your mom, if you want to give them, if, if my siblings want to give gifts or to their children, or, or if you want to, then can that be from the parents, from the real people instead of the Easter Bunny? So I remember that we have 11 grandchildren. And um, so you can imagine how many eggs there are to hide and... Um, I will pass on this tip that every we decided to limit the number of eggs. I don't know why we came up with 15, 12 would seem more appropriate. But um, every child was assigned a different color. And that way you didn't have 10-year-olds pushing 3-year-olds out of the way to get their colors. They, they were just looking for their colors. And, of course, for the 10-year-olds, we were hiding them more difficult, in, you know, more hiding them more difficultly. Whatever. Then the, um, you know, then the two-year-olds, that they were just out there open, you know, they didn't have to search more. And I will also pass on a trick that if you don't have that many color Easter eggs, then you can say, okay, you're blue and you're yellow, but you're yellow and blue. You know, you can do half one color and half the other. So um, those are my little Easter egg, plastic Easter egg hints for you. But that was, um, that was somewhat good because we limited the number of eggs. That's still, you know... Let's see, 15 times. That's still 165 eggs that somebody had died at night. But, um, but it, at least it limited the number of you know, eggs that there were. The other thing is um, I very much wanted to participate in all the cultural activities that our town offered. And why? Because I was looking for the three F's. I was looking for fun for my kids, fellowship for me, and something that was free. And so we went to this Easter egg hunt, and we went to that Easter egg hunt, and, you know, it was just, we went to the mall because it was free, and they were having fun, and I got to visit with another adult. I mean, so it was a big deal. And um, I brought you, I keep all, I keep our Easter things, you can tell what period of life I was collecting Easter things. It's when I had diapers, and I have three diaper boxes that go up in the attic and then come down every Easter. But I have a, a box full of plastic Easter eggs. I don't think I bought one of them, but my kids collected them from all these different hunts. And um, anyway, so I was wanting to participate in the cultural things. And, and, and I, I was a believer, and I, I did want to talk to my children. But I realized, um, and I tried to do that, but I realized that, my, I just still remember, my daughter was four years old, and I was trying to explain, you know, Jesus was laid in the tomb. She had no clue what tomb was. And then I realized she really didn't even know what death was. And, and I just thought, I, I don't even know how to explain this to her. And so the result was, even though I had the best intentions and I did take time to try to explain the Easter story, my actions were bigger than my words. And my actions were that Easter is more about the hunts and the dressing up and the fellowship and the fun and the Easter egg hunts and the, all of that and less about Christ and his resurrection and the incredible thing that the Lord did for us in Easter. So... Um, you know, my message was it's all about the fuss and not about the faith, even with the best of intentions. So now, what's wrong with that? Okay, let me get my Bible. And I realized I didn't bring my reading glasses. Um, I want, in 1 Corinthians 
15, Paul answers this. this uh, Paul answers this. Um, I declare to you the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised. It's not in the packet, I'm sorry. I'll just have to listen. <laughs> um, so close your eyes. So this is great. This is great. A little great paragraph that I'm going to read to you. And it's from in 1 Corinthians 15. I declare to you the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That he was buried, that he raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500. And this is the key part. If Christ had not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. And if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. In other words, Paul is saying, if we only look to Jesus on how to live better, but don't really think about or don't know that we really believe that, um, about his resurrection and his promise for our resurrection... If we just think, oh, well, he was a great example, then it is not that we have a partial faith. It is that we have a pitiful faith. I mean, this is key. If you don't include that part in your faith, then your faith is worthless. If our celebration and our teaching is mixed up with fictional bunnies and egg hunts, we shadow the message of the resurrection. Um, This started me in my journey of collecting ideas, stories, Bible stories, tools, and how to form my family's Easter celebration. And so here is my thesis. I'm really, um, I don't leave things vague. I'm kind of a, what you see is what you get. So I'm giving you the thesis of today's talk if you only take one thing away. My challenge to you is that you spend as much time, energy, money, and creativity, at least as much time, at least as much of all that on the scriptural as you're spending on the fictional. So that's it. You know, I would hope that as you grow, you would be spending more time on the scriptural than the fictional. But as your children are young, make sure that you're spending as much, and they watch more than they hear. So if, you know, if you're bustling around trying to find the perfect outfit, that counts as time towards stuff that has nothing to do with the resurrection. Okay, um, so how do we do that? Um, and, and I, once I kind of realized, okay, I, I need to pare this down. The way I've done it, or that, you know, that's my goal, is that every year I try to drop. You have that list of all the activities you do. I try to drop two things that have nothing to do with the resurrection and add one. So I didn't change my family's traditions all in one year and just say, no Easter bunnies. You know, I didn't, I didn't do that, but I tried every year to drop two things that had nothing to do with the resurrection, and add one. Um, okay, let's see. So, what you have in your packets, um, we're going to go dive into now. These packets are for you to keep and hopefully to use. Oh, and so, the, kind of the summation is your scripture memory verse. Instead of 1 Corinthians 15, I thought for one verse, this was, um, teach your children this. Your children... I mean, at two years old, your children are capable of starting to memorize Scripture. And I, w- I mean, I would start more than a verse here, a verse there, a verse there. Take Psalm 23 or whatever. You would be amazed at what your children, they have a better mind than you do, especially if you're still post-hormonal from all these pregnancies. <laughs> but my children, I mean, I think they'll not be paying attention. And, I mean, well, I'll have to say, I have a daughter, firstborn daughter, who wants to, you know, please, and so she's always paying attention and always tries to say it. And then I have um, a son who, you know, just 
did not want to go along with what I was really trying to get him to do. And, and my daughter's over there saying, laws, it's this, it's this. But the point is, is that he was picking it up, even though I thought he wasn't paying attention, just by repetition. Your children's minds are sponges. And I'll just throw this in, too. When I was in high school, I was, went to this camp where they had, I don't even know why, contests on nursery rhymes, and I won every time. And then as I got older and more mature in my faith, I thought, I wish that I had been learning scripture instead of nursery rhymes. I, I mean, I can pull up nursery rhymes just like that for you, still at my age. And I wish when I was young that, I, that my parents had known to be feeding me scripture instead of nursery rhymes. Okay. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. That is the gospel. Memorize it for you so that when somebody asks you a question and says, you know, can you just give me the simple gospel? You can, you can say this and teach it to your children. Explain to them what those different things mean so that they too understand that that is the gospel. Okay, what you have next in your um, packet is... Um, you have five Easter Bible lessons, and it's scripture taken mostly. It's based on scripture taken mostly from Luke. And then you have a page. After these lessons, you have a page that has scripture, and um, it's a beginning Easter Bible study. And these are five Bible lessons that's not written out for you with questions and stuff. And that's taken mostly from Mark. So I've come up with three different ways that you can use this. So first of all, these five lessons, a friend of mine was writing preschool curriculum, and I asked her for specific permission to copy it for you all today. So enjoy the gift. But this, um, so here's five, three different ways that you can use this, and then we'll kind of jump into looking at it more. Um, you might say, okay, for the younger children, we're going to do the Bible stories. But for my older children, we're, I'm going to get them in the Bible my, themselves. Um, but I would say don't stay in stories too long. Your children are capable of going to Scripture. Them, I mean, you going with them, but being in the real Word of God. But, but I would suggest you use a simpler version. There is, uh, NIV is kind of considered the easiest version among the adult versions. Well, that's not true. The easiest exact version. There's some paraphrases that are probably um, easier to understand. But NIV has like a, a children's version. And just the other day I was looking at one. And it's called the NIRV, the New International Reader's Version. And it's um, big print. Well, at least the Bible I was looking at was big print. And it had some appropriate pictures. And, um, and it was great for, you know, getting it in front of your child so that it's not just, you know, so overwhelming that, like, this would kind of freak out a four-year-old. But at <laughs> um, any rate, use a simpler version. So one way you might do it is say, okay, you know, if I have little children, I'm going to do these Bible stories for two years, and then when they're a little bit older, I'll go straight to the Bible, and that's listed for you too. Another thing you might do is say, I'm going to do, we, we have, starting, if you start on Sunday, we have four weeks before Holy Week, and then we have Holy Week before Easter. So you might say, I'm going to do the Bible stories over the next five weeks, and you may not be able to do, get through a whole story in one sitting. You might break it up into two. And so on a Tuesday and a Thursday, you say, you know, come sit next to Mommy and we're going to go over this. So you might do the Bible stories over the next five weeks um, or the next four weeks. And then 
during Holy Week, that week right before Easter, you might then go to Scripture. They're somewhat familiar with the story now. Then you read it right from the God's Word, and this is God's Word. And um, so that might be one way you do it. Um, another way you might do it is that you do the Bible stories. They're a little bit longer, and if your husband's so inclined, then he does. You know, he takes the Bible, the Scripture, and goes over that or reads that with him. Now, I would say if your husband is not so inclined, please don't pressure him because um, although the word never goes out void, I would suggest that you just wait until your husband is so inclined so that your children don't get this, oh, daddy didn't like the, you know, this, the, the Bible causes friction. I mean, they can pick up on that. You know, um, you might ask your husband that if he is like, you know, no, I really don't want to do that, don't press him. Okay, um, okay. Now I'm going to go, so those are, those are some different ways you can use these two different tools. Now let's go look at more depth what the tools are. So the first one um, is these little Bible stories. They start with questions to kind of get them thinking along the lines, you know, into the city. This is about Palm Sunday. Let's talk about kings. What do you know about them? Where do kings live? How do they live? It gets them thinking. It gets them engaged. Then they, um, they, the stories give the settings. And then, you know, you, you kind of go through the story. It, you could read it. It would be better for you to be somewhat familiar with it and just kind of tell it to your child. You know, eye contact. But you can read it. That's fine. And then at the end, there's questions to discuss. There's a prayer. And then there's questions to discuss to reinforce, you know, did your child um, understand? Okay. Um, so kind of each of these lessons, what the, kind of the, the, the question that covers the, all five lessons is what happened to Jesus. So what happened to Jesus in the city? What happened to Jesus in the upper room? What happened to Jesus in the garden? What happened to Jesus on a hill? And what happened to Jesus at the tomb? Okay. So... Y'all still with me at that point? Now I'm going to go to this sheet that says Beginner's Easter Bible Story. And this gives you, mostly from Mark, the scripture references, um, the scripture references that, that you use. Now, just the other day, I, um, somebody asked me, what, what are those numbers after, you know, like Matthew 21, 1 through 11? Your child, you know, teach your children. Okay, Matthew, and you, there's a table. You know, they don't know the books of the Bible yet. Show them the table of contents. You go to Matthew, then it's chapter 21, then it's verses 1 through 11. Start teaching your children what that is. Um, this is their word of God, too. They don't need to say, oh, I need mommy and daddy to, you know, start familiarizing them with the Bible. So, and I wanted to go over some of these guidelines for Bible studies with children. Um, start with five to ten minutes and extend as appropriate. Choose non-hurry time. If you're sitting there going, oh, I was going to do the Bible study this day. Okay, so you, you know that makes a difference. But if you, you know, if you say, okay, you know, let's say you're doing, you did the Bible lessons leading up to Holy Week, and you're going to do this one a day during Holy Week. You know, just say, okay, now we're going to have our Easter time or our story time or our Bible time. You know, just make it something that they are looking forward to, and um, that it's not hurried. And, you know, I, everybody's different, but the only way I can do that is if I, like, write it into my calendar. 
Um, I think even when I was at your stage of life, I needed to know that that was there and it wasn't going to be moved around by whatever. Um, when you're my stage of life, you definitely need a counselor. Um, start with prayer. That, that settles everybody down. It, it shows that we are going to the Lord. Um, and it's a good idea to summarize what you'll be reading so they, that just kind of helps them set the stage and then it'll, be, it'll help them understand when you do say it, it'll help them understand it more. Use expression. Um, let's see. And then talk about what you've read. Choose a verse for the day. Again, I prefer to have children memorize chunks of Scripture because then six months later it's easier to go back to a chunk than six months later you have 24 individual verses that you can't quite even remember putting where you put them all together. But um, when you say choose a verse of the day, that might just be a verse that you concentrate on. And then um, reinforce the teaching. The wonderful thing about reading Scripture together is that um, if, you're, if you ask the Lord, He will bring, you know, when you're trying to teach them a lesson, He will bring a scripture that you went over with them and you can say, do you remember when? You know, do you remember when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace? Well, you know what? That's kind of like what we're facing here. Or, um, you know, I'll just, my 11-year-old um, is going through some preteen moodiness <laughs> and I said, you know, David was a man after God's own heart, and he journaled. He wrote psalms. Do you think that journaling would help you? And he's got a very sensitive spirit. But it, I was just like, Lord, help me think of Scripture that we have gone over together that, that we can apply here. Okay, and then the other thing I love about this handout is that it kind of gives you a cheat sheet to know Okay, what is the most important thing you're wanting your children to get from this? You know, Jesus was in, like, the triumphal entry. Jesus was in control of how and when he came into Jerusalem. You know, it just kind of gives you, um, like I said, a cheat sheet of what's important. Okay, um, let's see. Okay, does it, should I just hold questions till the end, or do you want to? Y'all have questions about that part of teaching your children about Easter. Yes. Okay, the question was, with a two-year-old, how much time is realistic? It's been a long time since I've had a two-year-old. Um, and every child will be different. But I would, you know, this says start with five to ten minutes, which means you might have to break this up. Um, and you might say, okay, we're going to, if you're trying to do it all in the Holy Week, you might say, we're going to do a little bit of breakfast, a little bit at lunch, and we're going to finish out the story at dinner. It's okay to break it up. It'll, make, it'll anticipate, you know, what happened then? You know, stop at an exciting time. <laughs> you know, and then they're, you know, then at lunch you can go over some more. But I would start, you know, I would start. The other thing is, is that if, if you haven't done this before, you need to start with a shorter amount of time. And then as they become used to you spending time with them, then they'll be able to pay attention longer. If you're an avid reader, you know, put scripture aside. If you've read a lot to your children, they're probably able to listen a little bit longer. So, um, but if, if they start to get bored, just say, okay, we're going to put this down and we'll, or if they start to get antsy and, okay. 
I do, I, that is a, I do, that does make sense. And do you really want to expose them to death at this age? Um, that's a very good question. I would say you know, every child is different. You need to sense their spirit. You know, I don't, I don't remember when I realized she didn't have any grandparents at that point that had died. You know, maybe, I'm trying to think if we even had it, like a great, we had a great grandmother and maybe I could say, well, you know, her husband's no longer around, you know. I wasn't, I mean, I'm one that waits to introduce things, but I think, um, I, I don't want to, you don't want to give them a falsehood that you have to go back, you know, I'm, I'm, I, at first I thought, well, maybe you could say, you know, that they fell asleep, the scripture does use that term, but you don't want to, you want to give them the word of God, and, um, yeah, maybe just say they died, and if you say, what does that mean, they say, well, you know, we have a life, and I don't know if you, I don't know, that's a good question, maybe I'll come back to it, sorry, I'm bumbling. Okay, um, they said, uh, Millie suggested that um, you say that they went to heaven to be with Jesus, or um, if you're talking about Jesus dying, then he went to heaven to be with God, which actually there's scriptures that indicate that he, he visited other places before heaven, but at any rate, yes. Mm-hmm. And I like what you said. Um, so the, the answer was to, to build on a song that, that the daughter already knows about being up in the clouds to be with Jesus. And I like that. Build on what they do know, a song or a, you know, somebody who is missing, a great-grandparent who is missing, but whatever. Okay, we're going to move on. Reinforce this with music. You know, at Christmas time, you just know it's Christmas because, well, actually, it's Halloween, and they start putting on Christmas carols in the mall. But, <laughs> anyway, that those Christmas carols set the music. I mean, set the tone for the season, and um, do that with with Easter. Um, it's not as e- not nearly as easy to find Easter music, but um, I have listed some things here. Um, and then, you know, I said on here, play over and over. Make Easter season and listening to special music. Um, and sing along when you can and encourage them. <laughs> let me tell you, sing along now when you can because when your children get older, they won't let you sing along. <laughs> um, and then encourage them um, to, if, they're, if they really can't, first of all, I think if you're playing it over and over again, they will pick up more than um, if you sit down and say, okay, now we're going to learn this song. I mean, they'll pick it up. Their brains are working so much better than ours are. But the other thing is is that um, I remember one son who just didn't participate really. And so I really encouraged him to sing along in the chorus, even though he, couldn't, he didn't know all the words to the song. I have listed some hymns. Um, I know that this church, I mean, I don't know what y'all's familiarity is with hymns, but they are wonderful hymns, they're, and they're great theology, and I would really, I love the praise, and music, the praise and worship music of Watermark, but I would really hate for a whole generation of children not to be exposed to hymns. So get out those hymns, sing them, um, and I, I want to tell you that, um, let's see, one of my favorite Easter memories was we went to visit Brad's parents at Easter time. And um, Brad's father, I'm going to tear up saying this, Brad's father had Parkinson's at the time, and he was in a wheelchair, and he was just a dear man, but Parkinson's had kind of taken his toll on him physically. And so he was in a wheelchair, and he was bent over, and he would 
often slur his words and he couldn't project and so it's frustrating to him he was always very gracious about it but we couldn't understand him and we wanted to understand him and he would patiently repeat it but anyway it was kind of a labor to communicate with him and um, that morning he just didn't feel like I mean it took hours for him to really get ready and he just didn't feel like he could get it all together to go to Easter church service and so we went without him but we came back and decided to have an Easter church service with him since he had not been able to go to church and my daughter, um, they go to a school which teaches them the hymns. And so she chose the hymns um, up, from, up from the grave he arose. And so she was singing that. Well, it takes two parts because the, the women are supposed to sing up from the grave he arose. And the men say, he arose. He arose. Um, and so, I, I, you know, my children know more hymns than I do. And so they were, she was singing it and he started singing along, crystal Clear. I mean, I was just like, what happened to your slurred speech? And so he joined in singing, and it was really a duet between the two of them, and it was just beautiful. And, um, and I'm so thankful for that memory of that, of that. And six months later, he passed away. And my mother-in-law asked Virginia if she would sing that at the funeral with the soloist. And so she did. And so we got to kind of reenact that, um, that just that special... Easter memory of that beautiful music and so anyway there's my little story about Easter hymns <laughs> I also asked around um, Virginia who did that at I don't know how old she was at that point five or something is now 13 and playing the guitar and so I asked her guitar teacher who is a worship leader and he has three small children of his own and I said do you have more contemporary music that we can download on iTunes and you know play it all the time with our children that way and so he listed um, so he listed some of these CDs and these iTunes alternatives um, that also have great Easter music. Um, the Hallelujah Chorus. I mean, sing that. Tell them what that's written about. And, um, okay, and then at the bottom of this page is um, also some DVDs. Um, I don't know. Are you, do y'all do? Is the Donut Man still around? Do y'all? Does anybody familiar with the Donut Man? Okay. When my kids were young, the Donut Man was more popular. I did think he was kind of on the out and out, but I did find him on. Um, I don't know if it was on Amazon or something. I googled the other day, and there was this. And I wish I we recently cleaned out some um, the, our DVDs, but I I wish that I had saved this one. And it it's called Resurrection Sunday, and it just has. The Donut Man is very, very corny. I mean, very corny. But it had this um, Resurrection Sunday where it had, you know, Jesus is alive, Jesus is alive, Jesus is alive, shout Hosanna, Hosanna. And the kids love that. Yeah. Here comes Jesus riding on a dog. So the kids love that. They also had Run, Peter, Run, when Peter denied him. Run, Peter, Run. And um, just great songs. The, um, veggie Tales, this, the guitar teacher recommended, a, well, he recommended a Very Veggie Easter, which is a CD. But there is a, there is a DVD called An Easter Carol. And I haven't seen it, but the reviews say that it's, um, it's, it's theologically, it's great. It goes through the Easter story, and it's great. And then Story Keepers. Um, are you all familiar with Story Keepers? It's a series of videos about first century believers animated I mean it's cartoons kid like about first century believers and there's an Easter one about you know that their fear you know gosh we believe in the Lord and he's now he died and anyway it, it's a great animated series as well 
And so um, to keep them fresh, we would only pull these out at, you know, at Easter time. It's kind of like you don't watch, you know, the little drummer boy in July. You know, put them away and then bring them out at Easter time. Make this a season that that they, um, you know, it's that they want to watch the videos because they haven't seen it since last Easter. Okay. Um, okay, books. Oh, I don't have... Okay. We're going to skip to... De- well, we'll do decorations because that's next on your, in your packet. Decorations. How you decorate speaks to your children. Um, many of the symbols that we... So if your house is just totally decorated with eggs and Easter bunnies and all that and no crosses, then that speaks to your children. So I'd say the same thing. You know, every year, get rid of some of those rabbits and bring out some crosses. You don't have to throw everything away. When my kids were really young, we lived in Tyler, and there was the egg lady in Tyler who took, he blew out eggs and made these wonderful creatures out of these eggs with just, you know, spiders or an octopus or a Batman. Or, and we would go every year and everybody would choose one and we'd decorate with it. And I'm just like, okay, you know, what is Easter about? I mean, that... So, anyway, be careful of how you decorate. Um, I don't want to say throw it all, burn it. I'm not one of those people, but I'm just saying... Pare down on the fictional, add the scriptural to your Easter decorations. And so even, and that's hard because there aren't a lot of Easter decorations except for crosses. There aren't, you know, but anyway, if you have window clings, look for ones that are, you know, that have some religious um, decorations. When your children bring home crosses, you know, put them up. Put them up. Now, these aren't as beautiful as some of the absolute beautiful Easter things that are out there, but put them out. The, um, I'm, you know, put out the yard. I mean, our outside decoration, put this out. My children love, oh, can I put it out? Can I be the one that turns it around on Easter? I mean, you know, so you put it out, and then on Easter morning, you turn it around. Have you all seen these? Where do you get that? I've seen everywhere. Well, yeah. Okay. Who does? Jackson's Home and Garden has them for free. Yeah. So um, these are ugly, but the kids love them. And you know what? Um, I had a, a, my college roommate who is Jewish. Um, my college roommate came to visit me. Well, she really came for a volleyball tournament. But he right, it was like weeks after Easter. And, she, and you know, I don't even think about it anymore. But she said, what are all those white crosses in everybody's yard? And I was like, oh. And, and she said, my husband was asking, what are those? And I told him I thought it had something to do with Easter. Am I right? And I just thought, you know, I, I, they do communicate. I mean, they do, you know, they do communicate. So, anyway, your, my kids love, you know, love, oh, we're going to put out the cross and he's going to turn it around. Okay. Now, there's kind of two train, th- trains of thought in the Christian world. And the last page, you'll, there's an article by Chuck Colson. Don't, skip, don't go back there. But Chuck Colson um, has a ministry to prisoners. And I mean, his kind of train of thought is get rid of all the Easter bunnies, the chicks, the eggs. You know, get rid of it because it, it, it conflicts with the real meaning of Easter. There's another train of thought that says... Um, Let's use those and, and tell them 
and, and put religious meaning on those, all those symbols. And, and I'll just throw out here, Easter came from a celebration to the goddess Istra. It was a fertility goddess. And then as the Christians way back, you know, 2,000 years ago, became, as the pagans became Christian, then they just kind of um, blended the celebration of the resurrection, which we think happened in the spring because it was Passover. So they blended that celebration of the resurrection with this celebration that was going on anyway. And that's how the two became wedded. Nevertheless, God is a God over everything. And you can take the, East, the little bunnies, the chicks, the eggs, and say it represents new life. And that's what Christ, I mean, Christ's death and resurrection represents new life too. So um, put Easter, and so one train of thought is to put Christian symbolism into these things you're seeing. Now, how the Easter bunny hides Easter eggs is a little stretch. But you can do it with spring. Let's, so just going down at spring. Easter and spring belong together. Um, nature is rising again. The Easter lily, the dead bulb that blooms. Butterflies, you know, that whole thing of the worm going into the cocoon and then coming out as a butterfly. I mean, you think it's, it's you know, Christ going into the tomb. It seems like they're dead and it comes out in new life. Actually, well, anyway, baby bunnies, chicks, and birds, newly born creatures um, that God made. The green, yellow, pink, lavender colors of the spring. And you can assign, you know, the purple is the royalty of Christ. And you can tell us all this. um, You can put Christian symbolism on that. So as you're decorating, you can talk about, you know, this this symbolizes this. This symbolizes this. So when they see all those decorations, they don't think Easter Bunny. They think, oh, that lavender represents the royalty of Christ. Um, New clothes. um, You know, eggs is the, not only do eggs represent new life, but um, sometimes people use eggs to represent the Trinity. It's three in one. It's the shell. It's the white. It's the yolk. You can use that as well. And then the cross and the crown. And then at the bottom of this page is, um, a little jelly bean prayer, and we're going to have our first prize. You know how the soldiers cast lots for Jesus' Jesus's, um, clothes? We're going to draw lots for... These are little tiny prizes, so don't get so excited. <laughs> so our first prize is Tara or Tara? How do you say your name? Tara. Tara. I, know, I know ladies that spell it the same way and say both. But anyway, here is a little... Um, Jelly, little basket of jelly beans with the jelly bean prayer on it for you. Okay. So, um, so again, I apply the same thing. Get rid of two, add one every year. Um, you know, we have grandparents that are sending and godparents that are sending you know little eggs and bunnies and everything and. I just, you know, every year I ask the children, can we get rid of some of these? <laughs> so try to just weed out. At least that's my method. Let's get rid of two, add one. Okay, Easter books. This is maybe one of my favorite talks. There are wonderful books that you can go over um, in the Easter books. Um, I love sitting down with my children and, and going through these books together. I love watching them. We, we have a basket that we put all these books in during the season. 
And when they just have time, they go over. When they were little and they couldn't read, nevertheless, they would go over and look at the pictures. And then as they got older, they'd read them. I put them away. They go into one of these diaper boxes. I put them away through the year because if they're out all year, then when Easter comes along, they don't really want to read them. They've kind of been there. They're familiar. They don't want to read them. So we put them away and we bring them out again. And they, um, I just love watching them read or sitting down and reading with them. It's um, a real special time. So here is a list. And some of them have a little, um, little synopsis beside them. Beside them. And I will say that this list was provided by, I emailed the owner slash manager of Logo's Bookstore and asked him if he would come up with a list. And some of these, this list is really a compilation of when Logo's did this for me like five years ago and this year. So some of them, they may not have in stock. They might have to order them for you, but um, they have, but a lot of them they do have. And you can go and look at them. I have some of them up here that um, you can look at to say, um, would this be appropriate? I will just say, um, I'll put a little, this lady, Patricia Pingree, she writes wonderful little board books that really capture the essence of the holiday at hand. She, um, she's got one on the 4th of July. She's got one on Easter. And it somehow she takes, she takes it and puts it in, in very simple you know, springtime also brings Easter. On Easter, we remember Jesus and what he died and that he died for us. I mean, it just, it, she's great. So she's one of my favorite for just the very early children. And um, they love looking at the pictures and, and then they'll bring it to me and I'll read it to them. So that is a great book. Okay, so we have another. I had an extra one of these little board books, not the Pingree one, but another one. And so I'm going to. Ashley. So, this is just a little, um, just a little extra board book that. Anyway. So again, I I eliminated any books that we had about the Easter Bunny. I didn't want them reading and rereading and rereading about the Easter Bunny. I just eliminated it, and um, and added the books about. Sorry, I'm out of breath now. I don't know why. Okay, the last prize is, um, I was going to go get more, but I ran out of time. It's a $1 gift certificate to Logos and a beautiful Easter card that you can send to somebody. So, last prize. Leslie. Okay. Okay, books. Tradition. Okay, now traditions to top it off with. Activities to top it off with. Off with. We've talked about um, stories. We've talked about music. We've talked about books and decorations. Now some activities um, to do. One was the jelly bean prayer. You know, when you when you get when you get the jelly. I, I don't even know what this has to do with it, but I'm going to throw it in. Um, I spent a year in Russia as a missionary, and and it was funny the things you miss when you're out of America for a year. But at Easter time, I really wanted some jelly beans to celebrate Easter with. And somebody was going back to the States and coming back, and I asked, would you please bring me jelly beans? So that shows you my association with Easter. Um, 
But again, teach your children what the different colors, you know, what the different colors can symbolize. And then when they see the jelly beans, that then they can associate it with more scriptural um, and more theological. I mean, just tr- they can associate it with truth instead of just with candy. You know, Easter's about candy. Um, okay. Um, y'all shared at the table some things. I love those crescent rolls. I've never heard of that. That's great. Okay, an Easter hunt. So look at this Easter hunt. Instead of hiding, or in addition to hiding, Easter eggs or candy, hide different things that teach something about Jesus' last few days on earth. So you can collect, you know, I just collected little things. A donkey, or if I didn't have a donkey, then I'd cut out a little picture and I'd hide the donkey. And sometimes this was fun because I would hide it like where the donkey was right here against the bookshelf, so it was in plain view. It's a different kind of a hunt. Instead of them uncovering something to look for it, it would kind of be in plain view, but it was blended with the background, so it was a, it was a different kind of hunt. And as they found the different, the donkeys or the, the, um, the two chocolate hearts or whatever, we would come and talk about what those represented. And that's based on, there's a book up here that I took that from, I can't find it right now. But anyway, you know, hide different things that will help you teach about the Easter story. Okay, resurrection eggs. You can get these at Logos as well. Um, Family Life put these together. And what they are is they are the, you know, there's these different colors. And inside is a little, like this is the, Goblet to represent the Last Supper, which happened on that, you know, the Passover Supper, which happened on Thursday of Holy Week. And it gives you a little book with it. Now, if, these are, I think, a, well, I don't, they used to be about $14 at Logos. I don't know now. If that's not in your budget, you can make your own. And again, if you don't, if you don't have a little goblet, you know, most of you are not going to have a little goblet laying around. But you can just draw a little piece of paper and put it in there. You can make your own resurrection egg. So then we hide it. Our kid, you know, our kids. We would have. You know, sometimes we'd have it three times today. We are gonna, we're going to hide the eggs, and they're going to find them, and then they bring them to me, and we talk about that part of the story. Yes, Holly. Oh, that's great. That's a great idea. Yeah, it's just as easy to find, if you're doing it with six people, it's just as easy to find six donkeys as it is one. And so you might as well, that's a great idea. Okay, so um, so that's the resurrection egg. I'll leave, I'm going to leave these up here for you all to look at later. Um, another thing is clothespin theology. And um, that's in your packet as well. And so with clothespins, you make little figures. And as you're reading the story, the children could be making the figures, or you can make them ahead of time, and the children could act them out. If if the children have something in their hands, somebody asked, how long can a two-year-old listen? If they have something to play with, they can listen a lot longer. (laughs) So if you have just a little, I haven't made these, but, you know, your pipe cleaner and a clothespin, and you make, and then it has a little piece of cloth, a red, little red square represents the Roman guard, and the white square represents Christ, and another white square represents the angel. If they can play with it while you're reading, they'll listen. You know, they'll they'll stay still longer. So, um, I this so I've written that out. What you need, how the story, 
Okay, and then also there's a here there's a little thing of a of a butterfly to a that turns into it's kind of small, but anyway, you can come look at it. Uh, you know, you have a worm and you pray once a week. First week of Lent, second week of Lent, first week is faith, then hope, then love, prayer, peace, joy. And then on Easter Day, you move the pieces around to make a butterfly. So that's something else you can come look at. Um, one of the things I love to do is to ask my children. I, I have to admit I did this for Christmas and I haven't done it for Easter. But to ask my children one at a time to come in, and I'm a faster typer than I am a writer, and to recite the Easter story to me. So I type it up and then I put it in their scrapbook. And hopefully year after year they're getting, you know, more. But, you know, I have a memory of what they understood when they were three and what they understood when they were four. And, and it, it helps them think through. Of course, I, my kids are so competitive. Virginia, my oldest, is like, oh, I forgot that. I can't remember. He who's younger than me remembered and I forgot that. I mean, so that's why we do it separate. <laughs> but just, um, so I said, you know, you, you spend some weeks telling them the Easter story and then say, okay, you know, I want you to come in and, and maybe you record it and so then you can go back and type it up so that you have that for, or, or you can do it on a video. If you're a big video family, then you just video them telling the story and you have that um, year after year of what they have added to their understanding of the story. Um, the Easter story cookie, Holly referenced that early back on, but this is making a little meringue that, the, that, that becomes empty and you... You walk through each stage, you have a little scripture to read, and you do it the day before, and you put it in the oven, and then the next morning. One of the things that was great for me is um, this Jewish friend from college. When, when Virginia was in, you know, Passover, the Jewish calendar is different than the Christian calendar now. So Passover is sometimes the Thursday before Easter, and sometimes it's four weeks ahead of time. But Virginia was in first grade, and several things had come up about Jewish, and Passover was the Thursday before Easter that week, that year. And I called up my Jewish roommate from college who lives in San Antonio now, and I said, can we come, my mother couldn't believe I was so audacious, can we come to your Passover celebration? And she said, you know, we would love for you to come. And so then after I'd done the asking, my mom said, can I come too? <laughs> my mom and I and my daughter went to a Jewish Passover celebration and and that is just so rich that all the symbolism they have there and and um so if if that if you ever have the opportunity to do that in a natural way, I would say I would encourage you to do it. It just opens up a whole n- another level of symbolism of of oh, well that's why, you know, the bitter herbs and the lamb and the unleavened bread and all that um it's, it was a wonderful thing for us. Um, okay, let me see. Let's see what's next. Okay, um, the last two things in your handout are just little tracks that I had in my Easter folder. One is um, the meaning of Easter, and, and I just love this. What it means to, what it means for the world, what it means for God, that God um, has to have justice, and, and Christ satisfied that justice. God can't live with our sin. He cannot tolerate our sin in heaven, and that's why he had to send Christ to satisfy that sacrifice. What does Easter mean for us, the believer? That um, that it's a promise that we too will be resurrected. What it means to the world um, that the plan of salvation has been accomplished, and what it means as a challenge to a non-believer 
that he's faced with Christ isn't just a good man. He, he, either, you know, he either died and was resurrected or he wasn't. And there was 500 plus um, witnesses and they were willing to sacrifice their life. They were willing to be martyrs. Um, this wasn't just a... And this is an actual event in history. It split history. Christ split history. B.C., A.D. You, you've, got to, you've got to wrestle with that question. Okay. Um, I think... Let me see if there's... What's next? Oh. The last little section... I, the last little thing I want to encourage you with is the learn, love, and lead that, I've, that is part of the Watermark Women Ministry philosophy. Learn the resurrection and the significance and the importance of it. You learn it for yourself as you're teaching your child. Love your child by sharing it with them. Um, celebrate it well. Again, if this is overwhelming to you, just remember that principle. Just drop two, add one. And then lead. Um, somebody over in our table was talking about doing a neighborhood thing. You know, there are other cultural Christians on your block that if you said... You know, I'm having a little Easter tea that talk about how to teach our children about Easter. They will come. I mean, they will come because it's not as an easy story to teach as Christmas is. And they, um, they don't, and they'll come. And or when you have a Easter egg hunt, then incorporate instead of just having candy, incorporate some of these things. Maybe you have some eggs that were candy and some eggs that are symbols. And so when somebody has an egg that's a symbol, then you talk about that symbol. Um, so share it with others. Uh, let's see. Are, are you have you invite the children that they can make the clothespins plans dolls? Or you read the story, act it out with simple costumes. There's um, these are so easy. I just took a sheet and I cut it in three. And we have you know little simple tunics and we have angel costumes and it's so easy. And I, and I've done this with our, our neighborhood. <laughs> we have people that are. Just total don't go to church or anything. And their children are saying, you're having a Christmas pageant this year, aren't you? And I'm like, you're in seventh grade. <laughs> but if you want it, we'll have it. And we've had it for nine years. And, they, and you can do the same at Easter time, that, you know, that they come and they dress up and you read the Easter story and they act it out. Um, they don't have to memorize lines or anything. <laughs> But starting when they're young, I think if I had started when they were in seventh grade, they would like, are you kidding? But they, um, and, and I had one of the moms, I said, I'm willing to do this as long as your kids want it, but I don't want to force anything. And she said, it's the only thing like that they do. And so, you know, be, be the only place that they do something like that. Okay, um, and, and if you have the neighbors and you can pass out the little jelly bean thing, you can pass out little things of jelly beans and have the jelly bean prayer on it as favors. Um, okay. Okay, I would just like us to all close by saying the memory verse. All right? 1 Peter 3.18. I don't hear anybody else saying it with me. <laughs> for Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Thank you.